Hello, everyone. I'm Giles. I'm Emily. And I'm Michelle. And we're the Beyond the Trope podcast. Every week, we delve into topics like pop culture, fiction writing, and other nerdy things. We feature laid-back conversations, bad puns, and in-depth interviews with authors, comic creators, and more. Find our show at beyondthetrope.com. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Start the show! It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to John's Audio Resume Volume 3. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And here we are, looking at my past jobs. Thank you for being a part of this journey as I get to walk down memory lane and take you through all of my employment history, which is... As long as it is inglorious, right? Because last week we talked about my job selling painting estimates from door to door, which lasted a glamorous 90 minutes, but which I learned a lot from. And this week we go to six excruciating shifts at the chart house. That's right. High end steak up at that second Genesee exit. And I worked at the salad bar. It was not fun. What can I say? If you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know what it's like. Some of you restaurant folks out there are like restaurant people, and you'll do this forever. My hat is off to you. God love you, because who doesn't love going out to eat? Working in that industry? No picnic. 100%. And anyone out there who's done it is, you're shaking your head yes. You go, yep. It's not fun. But it's another one of those jobs I think everyone should do. Literally, everyone should have to work in food service for at least... I don't know, because I did it this long and I survived this long. Six shifts, okay? Go work six shifts at a restaurant and see how it goes. Okay, so how did I get this job? I didn't do the painting estimate job anymore. Because, you know, obviously. And so, let's see here. I needed a job and my friend Carson told me once. And Carson is one of my best friends of all time and probably one of the top three funniest people walking the face of the earth. But in all seriousness, he said to me, you know, at the chart house, I heard the busboys make a shitload of money. Like they take home massive tips. So we should go apply there. And using that solely as the basis of this decision, I go, yes, we should. That sounds good. You have unimpeachable authority here. So I'm going to listen to you 100%. Yes, let's go apply for this job. So this was in like late November, early December at the chart house. And we walked in one day and Carson, like, I think he was joking. He turned his hat sideways. He was wearing a hat, by the way. Now that I think back on this, that's weird. But like turned his hat sideways, turned his feet out all duck walk and like, Swung his arms, you know, like he's some like 1930s fucking silent movie star. And he just walks up and he's like, give me a job. (laughs) I could not control myself in the parking lot. I was laughing so hard. We got it together, though. We walk in. We're like, hi, we're here to apply for uh, a job as a busboy. And whoever was at the front is like, okay, we're not actually hiring for that, but we're hiring for salad bar. Would you like to apply for that? And we're like, yeah, sure. Why not? Right. And so they get us an application. We fill it out on the spot. 
I put on, you know, my printing job experience. I don't think I put the selling painting estimates job, but I filled it out. I had no food experience. I had nothing. Um, I had like a good GPA. I don't even remember if they asked that. It's, a, it's the restaurant industry. Probably not. But, uh, filled out the application. They interviewed us on the spot and offered us a job that day. Before or since, I have never had an interview go that way. That was insane. They're like, all right, well, yeah, this is good. Can you start like this weekend or next week or whenever the hell it was? And we're like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I had a job. Fantastic. But I was working the salad bar. And something you should know about me is when I was a kid, probably up until I was like, oh, I don't know, that tender age of 30, I was sort of a picky eater. Now, it got better like once I was in my 20s, and when I went to Spain senior year, that really helped because I couldn't speak English that well. I was staying with a family. I didn't want to offend them. So I ended up eating a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have otherwise. But I still wasn't real big on like vegetables or... Uh, I hated cleaning up food waste. It was just disgusting to me. And so started working at the chart house at the salad bar w- surrounded by a bunch of stuff I didn't eat and had no interest in eating. And so if you've ever been to a high-end salad bar, you know, there's like your typical veggies. There's all the salad bar fixings. But then there's also like, st- uh, what is it? Like not stewed mushrooms, but like some sort of mushroom And then there was like caviar there and there was like macaroni salad and there were different kinds of like potato salad. And it was all this stuff that I'm like, ugh, God. And I had to spend a lot of time in the walk-in cooler and like refilling these Crocs or Cambros. No, it was the Crocs. The Crocs are in the salad bar. The Cambros are in the back. And the reason I remember that is because we have these little ramekins here And I would always call them Crocs or Cambros. And Kristen's like, why are you doing that? They're ramekins. And I'm like, why do you care? And she goes, "Uh, that's a good one, Kettle. Uh, Please don't call the pot black. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair, wife. That's that's totally fair. But uh, anyway, so I got this job. (laughs) And before we went in, Carson called me up. Because back in those days, you actually had to call each other. Or I called him. I don't remember. And I'm like, hey, man, we're going to start at the chart house soon. He goes, yeah, I really don't want that job anymore. And I go, okay, that's fine. I mean, that sucks. I was looking forward to doing this together. But, I, you know, I suppose that's your prerogative. And I'm like, have you called them or told them? He's like, no. And, you know, I'm not going to. And I go, what? Like, I'm still planning on going in. You're kind of putting me in a hard spot there. And he goes, just tell him I died or something. I'm like, dude, they know we're fucking best friends. What's the matter with you? Tell him you died. What the fuck? Wouldn't I be broken up about that? Don't you think I'd be sort of, you know, upset? And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It's a restaurant. And I go, dude, like, I'm just not wired that way. Like, can you please just call him and tell him, like, you're not going to be there? And he's like, no. And I go, all right, well, fuck. So I go in my first day. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this because this manager guy, his name is Farhad. And I don't actually know where he's from, but he's a really nice guy. He's kind of strange. Like when he interviewed Carson and I, he's like, okay. And this is going to be a horrible accent. And Jesus Christ, I hope I'm not being racist here. But I remember this fairly vividly. And the way he 
said this stuff is so funny to me still to this day. He's like, okay, let's say you go to keg party and you have no money in pocket, but you work at chart house. And then next time someone invites you to keg party, they say, hey, John, you want to come to keg party? And I go, and, and you, <laughs> right, like I'm actually responding to this. Like this wasn't a monologue that he was just saying at me. <laughs> but he, so he continues, he's like, and you say, no, I have to go work at Chart House. But next time you have keg party that I'm not working, I come and we have fun. And next time you go to keg party, you go with maybe $50 in pocket or $100 in pocket. Isn't that better? Isn't that good why you work at Chart House? And I'm like, yes, I think so. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. And, but you know what? He made a compelling point. You don't have a job, no money, right? You do have a job at the chart house. You have money. Okay. Point taken, Farhad. Well done. So I show up there and he goes, is your buddy coming in? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think he was in a car accident. And like an asshole thinking about this. I actually went with the, like, tell him I died thing. Only I didn't have him die. I just had him be, like, in a car accident that I wasn't sure he was going to pull through. And thinking back on it now, it's like, why didn't I just shoot straight with him? Like, why didn't I just say to Farhad and my other manager, who was some white lady, I can't remember her name, but uh, she was nice. And, you know, Farhad was a nice guy, too. But why didn't I just say to them, yeah, he's a jackass. He's not coming in. He flaked on you. I'm still here. With 2020 hindsight, that's exactly how I should have handled it. But instead, I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't think he's doing very well. And I tried to, like, manufacture some emotion there. It was not an Academy Award-winning performance. It was awful. And he goes, okay, well, you just have him call me. And he, like, not buying this shit for a minute. You, you have him call me and you... Tell me if he's coming in. And I'm like, okay, if I talk to him again. And meanwhile, in my head, I'm like, the fuck are you doing? What's wrong with you? Don't do that. So I start working there. There's this guy named Pat, and he trains me in the salad bar. He's been working there for a while. He's like my same age. I ran into him actually later at CSU. And like, super nice guy. And he was friends with this other guy, Jordan, who uh, had a liquor store that used to sell him beer. So there was one time we were going down to Durango. And I had his friend Jordan actually buy me, I want to say like 40 Coors Lights before we went down to Durango because we were only 20. So that was awesome. You know, connections made. Life is all about networking. There's an object lesson in it for you kids out there. But uh, he starts showing me, he draws a map from memory of where everything goes in the salad bar. I'm like, dude, you have been working here a while. And that was super impressive to me because it was a big salad bar. It had, I don't know, man, like 50 or 60 items on it. And it was hard to remember where they all went. Even with the map, like looking at it, you're like, wow, there's a lot of shit here. There's a lot to keep track of. I don't exactly know how I'm going to do this. But you figure it out. It's really not that hard. And one of the things that that the chart house did was make fresh Caesar. So you had your Caesar dressing, you had a bunch of lettuce, you just mix it in a bowl and you'd mix it up fresh and you'd put it on people's plates. So uh, in retrospect, I really wish I enjoyed Caesar at the time, which I love it now. I mean, 
that was like a gateway salad. You know, you've heard the term gateway drug. Caesar is really like the gateway salad because it's so peppery and so accessible. I mean, it's just romaine and then like toasted bread. You know, it's just romaine, cheese, croutons, and this super like peppery dressing. Like, what a great salad, even to this day. I'm recording this at like 9.30 at night, and I'm like, I could really go for a Caesar salad. That sounds really good. Yeah, I'm into that. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to get one. And the chart house had really good dressing, and they would do like the legit anchovies on the plate too, because sometimes you'd have to plate them for like the diners. And they'd pull these chilled plates out, and you had to do like this special thing with this cracked pepper. It was this whole like ceremonial bullshit. Anyway, um, in retrospect, great salad bar. And one thing I'll tell you about working there, that I'll just put this sort of, we're about midway through this episode right now, and I'll tell you, I have no horror stories from my six shifts at the chart house. Like, nothing. Everything was super clean, everyone was nice, like, I never saw someone drop, like, the roast on the floor and then try and serve it to a customer, nothing like that. Everything was on the level, everything was super clean, really well taken care of, and just staffed by super dedicated folks who, by the way, I get why you can get sucked into the restaurant industry. I really can because the camaraderie you have when you're trying to do like 400 dinners in a night, which I worked one Saturday shift and at 18 years old, that nearly killed me because you have so many diners coming in and it is so stressful and the people who keep their cool and like are just still fun to be around and work with. They're great. And you're like, man, I would fucking be in a foxhole with you any day. And we kind of are because the way the chart house was, we had the salad bar. And then right behind us, the servers and like the prep guys, um, what do they call that? Like expediting. I want to say it's called expediting. I'm probably ruining it. If you work in the restaurant industry, feel free to correct me on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever. J-O-A-T pod on all the social platforms. But you, So you had the expo guys, and then down in the pit you had the cooks. And it was hot as shit down there. It was like 110 degrees because you had these, you know, like all these grills going. And they're cooking steaks mostly. And so they're searing them at really high heat. And the steaks were impeccable, like, every time. And then the servers would come, get it from the expo guys, and they'd run it out to the table. Well, so the servers would talk to us, and there was this one chick named Jen who was one of the nicest people I've ever met. And every shift we worked, again, all six of these, right? But I said, you know, how's it treating you tonight, Jen? She goes, you know, at the end of this, I could really go for a nice stiff cocktail. And there was this other chick who I want to say his name, Monica or something. I can't remember her name. She was a brunette. She was hot. She would come up behind me <laughs> after Jen would say that. Like Jen would say that almost like as a rule, you know, I could really go for a stiff cocktail. And this Monica chick would come up behind me and she'd go, I could go for a stiff cock. And she'd kind of look at me and I'm like, all right, nice. And I was too dumb to realize that maybe she was hitting on me. I don't know. Maybe that was like, a proposition, but I was 18. I had a girlfriend. I mean, I, I don't really stray in relationships. Like that's just, that's not my speed. I don't, it's not how I do it. And so it just like bounced right off me. She's like, I could go for a stiff cock and it's like right off me. And I go, okay, cool. Yeah. I'll bet that'd be nice for you. Wouldn't it? 
And so, but they were like really cool and they were nice to these young salad bar guys. What I came to find out was the reason that the bus boys, like why we didn't get a bus boy job and why they weren't even hiring for bus boys is because the bus boys had all worked there for like five plus years because they all made such good fucking money that none of them ever left. Same with the servers. Like the turnover there was not good or it was good. If you're management, if you're trying to get in there, tough place to break in because everyone loved working there. The money was great. I mean, it's a high end steakhouse up in Genesee. You're basically serving steaks and high end drinks to rich people. The bartenders were old as fuck. I remember I read this thing in like the Playboy Advisor when I was a kid and when I was a kid, right? When I was like a teenager and this guy wrote in and he goes, I saw a guy at a bar order a hairy buffalo. What is that? And the Playboy Advisor responded. It's like, uh, that's a code word. Uh, when you're trying to fuck with someone, you basically just order the spillage caught from the bar mats and Bartender dumps it into a glass and serves it to him as a shot. That's a hairy buffalo. And it has all these other names, too. I can't remember any of them. So I asked the bartenders, like, the first day. I'm like, hey, have you ever served anyone a hairy buffalo? Thinking I'm, like, real clever. Like, you know, I'm some, like, urbane, witty city boy. And they're like, no, what is that? I've never heard of that. And I go, all right, well, let me tell you. So I lay on this fat knowledge that I have from the Playboy advisor. They go, oh, that's funny. I proceeded to ask them that, like, the next three shifts in a row. And finally, one of them says to me, look, kid, ain't no one ever going to order that, all right? Stop asking about it. And I go, all right, cool. Well, I certainly know my place here. I should have only asked him that one time. Let's remember that. The law of diminishing returns is important. And it's something my daughter needs to learn, too, because she'll say something funny. Granted, she's three. And we'll laugh, like something genuinely funny, and we'll laugh. And then she'll do it again and again and again and again and again until we have to ask her to stop. And it's like, okay, you've not only ruined this joke, but you've gotten to the point where now you feel bad because we've had to ask you to stop. So, stop like nine times before that. At some point during this, I realize I don't actually like this work. I don't need the money that bad. And I don't want to work here anymore. So I'm at my friend Brett's house after school. And they tell me that I'm going to be working both, I think, Christmas Eve, Christmas night, and New Year's Eve. Like, I'm working all the holidays. And I go, whoa, that sucks. This is like my senior year of high school. And, you know, I don't want to do that. Again, I'm recognizing my privilege here. I didn't particularly need the money. I wanted some extra money, but I didn't particularly need it. I recognize there are people who need it, which makes me feel even like a shit just telling this story. But whatever, I can't change the past. Facts are facts. So I call up my manager. I have like three shifts. Maybe I worked more than six shifts. Maybe it was like 10 shifts. I can't remember. It wasn't that many though. And I have like three or four shifts left that I need to do, but I call her up and I say, hi, you know, thank you for hiring me. I, I have other obligations. I have this, I think I even mentioned my girlfriend, which is so embarrassing in retrospect. I'm like, I have this girlfriend I care very deeply about. We'd been together for like two weeks and you know, I don't want to miss the holidays, blah, blah, blah. I gave her this whole like tortured explanation and I'm like, 
you have me on the schedule for these remaining shifts. I will work those. And then uh, I'm done. And she goes, wow. Okay. Thank you for quitting the right way. And I go, quitting the right way? Like I was heard two weeks or something. And what I came to find out and what I later learned was that in the restaurant industry, you have people who just don't show up and then never show up ever again. And that's how they quit. In my case, I just called her up and I'm like, yeah, you have me on the schedule for these shifts. I will work those. Please don't schedule me anymore. I'm done. She could not have been more thrilled about that, which is so funny to me in retrospect. But over the course of the last, let's see, how many years has it been now? 18 years. I've seen more people quit like fuckers than I ever dreamed of. Like, how do you fucking do that? Like, how do you live with yourself like that? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. I just don't relate to that on any level. That's not an impulse that I have where I can just be like, yeah, I'm not going to this job anymore. Peace. And just leave everyone fucking dangling like that. That's fucked up. Now, I got to have some closure. So these are my last shifts. I'm done after this. Coincidentally, when you work a job like this, they're going to get you (laughs) before you can get out. So my last shift was a Saturday shift. And at the conclusion of that shift, which we wrapped up like serving and all that, and I had to put everything back in the Cambros and then mop out the walk-in and all that. It was the night where you have to clean out the fucking ice, which if you've ever worked a salad bar, the ice just kind of sits in there all week and you know, it'll melt and there's a drain and you just pour more ice on top of it, you know, before you put the fucking Crocs back in. Well, once a week, you got to empty that ice. And let me tell you, that is a disgusting endeavor. That is fucking horrible because everything that is spilled between the Crocs and that people have dropped and there's just debris, like it looks like a town after you clean up from a flood. Like after the water recedes, there's just all this fucking shit left over. That's what the bottom of the salad bar looks like on a Saturday night when you have to run hot water through it and clean it. And I mean, I told you, I don't like food waste. I, I don't care now. I have kids. I've, I've just seen every horror there is to see. I mean, my daughter woke up this morning and uh, blew out of her diaper and I cleaned that up, cleaned up her little onesie and I cleaned up her changing table. It was horrid. It was disgusting. So reflecting on this, I'm like, whatever. But at the time, man, what an awful, awful thing to experience. So I got to do that. And that was sort of my last shift working at the chart house. And uh, as I was leaving, Farhad came up to me again and he's like, what happened to your buddy? Is he okay? And I go, he's fine. And he goes, okay, well, you take care. You make sure you don't take your jacket home with you because otherwise we take it out of your paycheck. I'm like, okay, Farhad, this is fine. What's funny is after that, Carson used to just periodically leave voice messages on my phone. And actually, I think it was technically an answering machine. It wasn't even voicemail. And he would just be talking as Farhad. Like, we went to prom together. Not like his dates. But we we were in the same limo. There was like eight of us. And we were down on the 16th Street Mall eating at this restaurant called Palomino. 
which was awesome, by the way, and I'm sad it no longer exists. They tried to put another restaurant in there that I can't fucking remember. It had all these dumb, like, wooden deer on the wall. And uh, anyway, when it was Palomino, there was, like, this cigar vendor down there, and we bought Portofino's. He left it in his tux and then returned the tux to the tux rental place. So he left me the longest voicemail about it. He's like, this is Farhad. I left my Portofino. In my rented tux. And I, I don't know what's happening in this accent, but it's late and I'm tired. And just periodically, he'd leave me messages as Farhad, and it was the funniest damn thing. When I went to Spain that spring, my mom erased all my voicemails, like, off my my little line. I was so upset because I had, like, 15 of them, and probably six of them were just Carson being Farhad. So... What's weird as I'm telling this story now is there are people who have minor and major roles in your life. And Carson obviously had a major role. He was one of my best friends, like, throughout high school. And then, you know, we stayed close through college. He's about to get married here next year. He's just, he's a great dude. He's someone I love. But this fucking guy, Farhad, that I spent maybe a grand total of six hours with in my entire life, I still remember that dude really well i remember that his name was farhad how crazy is that like if you ask me people that i had multiple classes with in college i'm like that guy's name jeff maybe i don't know i remember farhad it's just one of those quirky things people touch your life and you don't know that they're going to stay with you forever but they do and there's something really cool about that which is why another reason i'm so thrilled to do this series Because getting to go back and actually think about that job and think about, you know, what it was like in Jen with her stiff cocktail. Like, I remember that, too. I remember that with sort of stunning clarity. There was this dishwasher guy whose name is escaping me. But he was one of the nicest people I've ever met. And I had to cover his shift for like a half hour. Dude, working a dishwasher in a kitchen that size, it is not for candy asses. Like, the water is... is unfathomably hot and the volume of dishes that comes in and the the level of disgust of the food that comes in from the diners holy shit the way he kept up with it he was remarkable i mean what a dude what a great place and if you are coming up in your career and you haven't worked food service you should because if you've ever been at dinner with someone and they're rude to like service workers they're wor- they're rude to servers Isn't that one of the most off-putting things in the world? You're like, how can you be such a dick to this person? Like, they're working this hard-ass job for shit money, and then they have to deal with you being a motherfucker to them? No, that's really uncool. Fuck that, and fuck you. So, if you're rude to servers, you can eat shit. You really need to work that job and learn a thing or two about both humility and grace and politeness. So, anyway, that's my third job. We're in the chart house for like a couple of weeks, six shifts, 10 shifts. I don't know, something like that. It wasn't many, but it was certainly enough to give me a lot of perspective. All right, I think it's time to play the outro. Thanks for being a part of John's Audio Resume Volume 3. This has been fantastic. I love doing this series. I'm off next week because it's the week between Christmas and New Year's, but we'll be back in the new year with a brand new job. And, coincidentally, my favorite job of all time. Yes, I loved this job immensely. 
Carson comes back in this story. So tune in two weeks from now. John's Audio Resume Volume 4. Let's pay some love to our sponsor before we get out of here. Four Degrees, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Online campaigns, social media marketing, advertising, website building, hosting, whatever you need to do online, they can help you do it and do it very effectively at a great cost. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. The John of All Trades podcast and John's audio resume are a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us a rating, give us a review, hit that subscribe button, and you'll get brand new episodes right to your inbox. Inbox, listening device, hey, whatever. I'm a little slap happy right now. Social media is a place to find John of All Trades. J-O-A-T Pod is the handle. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest. New episode previews go up on Monday. Episodes drop on Wednesday. Have a happy holiday season. I can't wait to hear you back again after the new year. Pick John's audio resume back up. And until then, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.